Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody, this is Erin Carey, and I am super excited about today's episode. And, you know, one of the reasons that this episode is so exciting is because we just reached 1 million downloads on the podcast, which I never anticipated. But I think what better way to celebrate this than by going back to the beginning and my true passion. And the whole reason I started this podcast was to talk about mental health. And with that, I want to introduce you to Dr. Amelia Villa Gomez. Dr. Amelia was born and raised in North Texas and now serves the DFW community. She attended medical school at Texas A&M, completing her training in general psychiatry at Yale and did a fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry at Harvard. After completing her fellowship, she served as the medical director of the outpatient clinic at the University of Arizona. She then practiced child adolescent psychiatry in Canada and worked in various settings, inpatient, outpatient, and ER. Amelia has always been interested in searching for tools to help people heal more holistically. To this end, she completed a fellowship in integrative medicine at the Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, and she is certified in mind-body techniques. Mind-body medicine aims to enhance the ability to manage emotions and behavior by techniques like guided imagery, meditation and mindfulness, and emotional awareness and expression. And if you have been listening to the show for a while, episode two features uh, Dr. James Gordon, who's the founder of that. And so I love that we have another expert in mind-body medicine on the show. So thank you, Dr. Amelia, for being on the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to, to talk with you. Yeah, I'm excited because I think that, you know... From my my own mental health concerns, for my mental health concerns for everybody, I think that one of the things when we are talking about COVID-19 and we're talking about shelter in place and we're talking about the isolation we're going through, I think that that can be really scary for a lot of people, even people that don't already have a diagnosis and who aren't already struggling. And so I would love to just start out by asking you, what are you seeing right now? Are you seeing an increase and depression, anxiety, um, and, and some of these other mood disorders. What, what, what have you noticed lately? So I guess I have to put the caveat that I think that um, what I'm noticing is just the tip of the iceberg because a lot of people don't have access to care. And so what yes. I'm seeing may be very different from what's actually going on because when people lose their job, they lose their insurance, um, they don't have the financial means to go out and seek a psychiatrist. And often when people are in a crisis, that's not the first thing they're doing. They're just trying to put their lives together. Um, and I think there's a lot of stigma around mental health. So people often feel hesitant to reach out for that reason. Um, so I guess that's my first caveat is- Really good uh, point, yeah. I think in general, uh, when, I, when I look at my own friend group and I look at Facebook forums that I'm on, um, I see that there is a lot of distress that people are going, that people have and a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I have to take pause and say what I'm actually seeing in my clinical practice is a little bit different. And it makes me think um, a little bit, um, it makes me think a lot about what we're doing as a society, especially with the education of our children. Because I would say most of the kids I'm seeing 
are doing good. Wow. They're doing well. They're actually feeling better than they usually do. Um, because they say, you know what? I don't have to go to school. I don't have to wake up early. I don't have to remember my locker number. I don't have to worry about going from passing period to passing period. I'm not worried about being bullied. I'm not worried about the drama Mm. at school. I'm not worried about homework. So I'm seeing a lot of kids who just feel like, "Ah." you know, and we typically see this during the summer as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, um, in the summer times, kids just don't come as often. They're in general Mm. feeling in better spirits. So I see, you know, already we know that this phenomenon happens, but I, 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 I'm a bit surprised that given all the chaos around us, um, that many kids are actually doing a little bit better than if they were in school. That's, now that's one subset. Mm-hmm. Now certainly we're seeing another subset um, who perhaps because of more increased um, adversity or trauma in their lives, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think having a parent who's unemployed is gonna look very different for a child versus their parent is employed or having something that they can do from home and having more social support from grandparents if, if they're mm-hmm. able to be in that um, germ circle, you know? So I think yeah. that from child to child, it, 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 it varies so much. So I say in general, we're seeing, I'm seeing three things. I see the group that actually um, is doing better. Um, they don't feel like they have FOMO anymore. Like nobody's doing anything. So they don't have the fear of missing out. Um, you know, they've always wanted to just be in their room and now that's what everybody's being told yeah. to do. Um, and then there's that second group that is doing worse because mm-hmm. there's more trauma in their environment, because there's more uncertainty, because there's more, mm-hmm. there's, there's more fear. Um, and so certainly that group is present as well. Um, and then there's the other group who every day is a little bit different. Some days are doing better. Some days are doing worse. Mm-hmm. And every day it's, it feels like a bit of a roller coaster. Um, so that's what I'm seeing from kids and adolescents. I think the question's quite different about what's happening with adults um, who are now not only a stay-at-home parent, but now a stay-at-home teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and where the responsibilities of that parent has shifted so much. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very different picture um, than what I'm seeing in children and, and adolescents. Wow, that is such a good point. I'm so glad you brought up that that teens are doing better. It's funny because I, I have a 15-year-old and she's actually doing pretty well too. I mean, she misses some of the things that, that she used to do, but she still communicates with her friends, you know? There, right. she's, she's on Zoom calls and she's, you know, um, putting together like tonight, she has a game night that she's organized for her friends via Zoom, you know? And, and like, there, you're right. And there's less pressure uh, for her right now. And I think that that's a really interesting point because a lot of times we do tend to go straight towards the negative because of what we are seeing portrayed, you know, in the news and media and all of that. And I, I, I love that. So for and I think a, it's, it's going to yeah. make us rethink how we do the education. It should make us rethink how we do our educational system. If a national, if, it, if an international pandemic is less stressful than going to school. Gosh, you know? that's the truth, right? Like that gives me chills. I mean, cause I, I taught public school for 11 years and I, I did see how stressful our current school system is. And it, and it did concern me, you know, the stressors for the children. And I think that that is a really, this is a good point to step back and go, okay, what really is best for our kids and their mental health and well-being right now? So that's that's a really excellent point. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think COVID is forcing us to rethink our current paradigms. Mm. You know, rethink everything that we've been doing just the way it's always been done for so long. And I've seen in some countries mm-hmm. when kids are going back to school, they're going back to school in smaller classrooms. You know, teachers have advocated yeah. this and parents have advocated for this for so long. But now we, some countries are doing this because they have to, because of infection control. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So I think that, um, 
I'm hopeful that we can relook at our systems and, and mm -hmm. find something that really serves our, 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 our youth and children better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as far as the adults are concerned and the parents, you know, and the caretakers, because that's, that is a bigger stressor having to navigate this whole, like for many people work from home life or no work at all and dealing with kids and how, you know, how are you helping people manage those uncertainties? So I think the first piece is expectations. You know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're at home in a international pandemic and mom and dad are working, or mom is working or mom is not working and dad's not mm -hmm. working. I don't think we can expect a child to do eight hours of school. You know, so mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing mm -hmm. is what are our expectations? And on mm -hmm. average, I'm seeing kids doing about two hours a day of school. Right. And um, that seems to be kind of what, what people are doing. Mm -hmm. um, even though I said earlier that a lot of kids are doing better, um, you know, I, I think that's from the mental health perspective. I think as far as educationally, that's not true. Um, I right. think a lot of kids, um, you know, you just can't replicate online what's going on in the mm -hmm. classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not getting those social emotional skills. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're not being able to raise their hand and ask a question in real time. So I yeah. think from that perspective, the educational piece, yes, kids in general are still asked to be online for two hours a day. But, you know, I've, I, I've, I've certainly seen kids you know, play whatever they're supposed to play and run out of the room, watch the video game and then come back and, and then, you know, answer the questions. Yep. Uh -huh. So there's not that engagement. I don't, you know, if both parents are working. It's hard for them to really um, be supervising what's going on with the kids. So I think mm -hmm. from that educational perspective, um, we're really missing out. We're going to, you know, it looks like teachers are going to need to, in school, school systems are going to have to be creative and how do we mm -hmm. catch kids up? Mm -hmm. Um but I did see this uh, post uh, on Facebook that said, you know, parents, um, I can catch your kid up uh, on math and science, but I can't undo trauma, you know? So whatever's yeah. going on at home, let's just kind of take a deep mm -hmm. breath, do what you can. Um, but what's most important right now is connection because mm -hmm. when things feel unsafe, we need to feel connected. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that that's also a message. So the question I think you had shared is what can we do? You know, mm -hmm. what can caregivers do? So I think the first piece is just know, you know, you're not alone. Lots of parents are struggling with how to implement school um, uh, at home. Uh, and it's different. It's challenging. A lot of kids, um, you know, are going to be distracted um, because they have their phones right there because they have the yeah. Internet. Um, you know, they're going to be distracted because they have their siblings around um, or maybe because mm -hmm. they're hungry because there's not food right now. Right. Um, so I think that there's a lot of pieces to that. So, you know, the first thing is to have the expectation of, okay, the number one most important thing is connection. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's try to get the schoolwork done that we can. And then let's get outside, you know, let's mm -hmm. have some structure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're in spring right now and it's for in many places in the U.S. It's beautiful outside. Mm -hmm. So let's go outside and garden. Let's learn some, you know, let's learn some skills because yeah. this is an opportunity to maybe pick up a new instrument or picking up sewing or mom and dad can teach them how to do the things that they're doing at mm -hmm. work. Or, you know, I think there's some life skills that people can pick up right now, even though maybe educationally they may be a little bit further behind. Yeah, that's a really, that's a great way to look at it. Um, outside time, man, that is so, I know just for me mentally, I need sun in my life. I need lots yeah. of sun. Um, and I think that that is, is really important for our well-being as adults and kids. Um, and, you know, another question I didn't give you ahead of time, but I, I have wondered about sleep. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people who are struggling with 
you know, just like some anxiety related insomnia and things like that. Have you noticed anybody talking about that or maybe there's absolutely, I think people are having a harder time going to sleep. You know, sleep requires surrender. Hmm. You know, it's hard to force yourself to sleep. You can't force yourself to sleep unless you're taking something, you know, Um, but sleep is about letting go. And whenever there's a lot of fear, it's hard to let go. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that we're less active, you know? Yeah. Um, we forget that, you know, at work, we might, you know, walk over to the next person or walk over to the snack room or walk mm-hmm. over here. You know, we're just physically a little bit more active and at homes, we're a bit more stuck in place. Yep. Um, and I think that especially with kids, um, this is taking a toll on sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sleep is crucial as, as you know, for our immune system. Mm-hmm. So we know that if you're getting less sleep, you're more likely to catch uh, a cold. Yeah. Um, you know, you're three and a half times more likely to catch um, one type of cold, the rhinovirus, if you've had less than five hours of sleep versus those who've had seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes a difference. Sleep is so important. Um, yeah. And some tools that I, I've recommended that people find helpful is one exercise, get outside. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing in the morning, get outside, get your mm-hmm. circadian rhythm um, yeah. in sync, right? So get outside, get physical, get, get your body tired. Um, so that's one piece. And then another piece, um, you know, having healthy fruits and vegetables during the day, having a good mm-hmm. diet can be quite mm-hmm. helpful. Um, and then, you know, before bedtime, um, some people enjoy a bath or a shower for me. I know physically that just allows me to let go, mm-hmm. especially I might put some essential oils in there, mm-hmm. um, some Epsom salt, just to kind of yep. have some muscle tension, relaxation, um, and to, to be able to just let go a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, other things are meditation and prayer, yeah. journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all, all these skills are great. There's tons of resources right now that are being offered free mm-hmm. online. Um, I find guided imagery a really great technique. You know, when our minds feel restless, we need to focus them on something. And one yes. of the things we can focus it on is the breath. You know, mm-hmm. and guided imagery can bring us back to the breath. It can bring us back to a safe place. Um, and one of my favorite guided imagery um, uh, techniques is online. It's uh, through Bella Ruth Knappersack. And she has a beautiful one on sleep. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my go-tos uh, when my own life feels a bit unsettled. How do you spell that last name? Yeah. So let's make sure it's in your show notes. I can send you a link to it because it's online for free. Yes, do that. And I will definitely add that in the notes because um, that's one I haven't heard of. So that's exciting. I I love learning new things. (laughs) So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you said about even circadian rhythm function. Can you talk a little bit about our circadian rhythm and how important that is even for mental health and, and mood disorders and, and all of those things? Yeah, circadian rhythm is quite important. So it's basically that biological clock we have in our brain that tells us now is the time to be awake and now is the time to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really regulated by light. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we expose ourselves to early morning light, that's a little reminder for the brain, okay, now it's time to wake up. And then as the day goes on, we should be getting, you know, after sunset, we should be getting less and less light. Mm. And I think of all the things we do about, I talk about with sleep hygiene, I think you know what I'm about to say, right? (laughs) (laughs) The hardest thing to do is to turn off our phones. That is the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I often work a lot with adolescents and I can, I tell them I can give you all the pills, but the most effective thing that's going to be the safest is to turn off your phone 90 minutes before bedtime. Because we know 
that when your phone is on, your brain interprets that as sunlight. Mm-hmm. And it is going to want to stay awake because it thinks that's mm-hmm. what's going on. I want to be outside. Mm-hmm. It's sunny. I need to be awake. Yeah. Um, so I think that's um, a big piece is let's turn off our phone. Yeah, that's, that's good. And it keeps, I know for me, and maybe this is another thing to go into, if I'm on, say, social media or I, one of the things that I do when I am feeling a little hypomanic or when I'm going on an upswing is... I start researching (laughs) and I start going like crazy stuff. Right. And I start going down these rabbit holes and trails and then that makes me anxious and then that Mm. makes me fearful. And then it like just, and then I can't go to sleep, you know, then I'm just running and my head is racing. And so I've had to learn to limit my time (laughs) on information Mm. and even things like news can just send me over the Mm -hmm. edge. And I don't know if, if there are things that you've seen, um, with the overload of information and how that maybe has been detrimental for certain people. Um, Absolutely. Especially children, you know, children mm, are sensitive to the news and they don't necessarily understand it. And if they're watching the news and the same stories coming up about the same thing, they might experience it as different events versus being reported about the same one event. And so they're experiencing that over and over and over Mm. again. And so one of the main things um, I think we can do is to, limit the amount of news. I personally read my news only um, mm. because then I, I can easily turn it off, you know? That's good. Um, so I think the, you know, the general message with COVID, I, I got it, you know, I got to <laughs> stay home. I got to wash my hands, <laughs> yeah. you know, I got to have structure in my day and it's going to be a bit. So I need to find a new normal, you know? And I think, um, so I try to read, you know, five, 10 minutes of the news every day to kind of have a sense of what's new, what's going on. But beyond that, I think that there's so much division right now in our country mm-hmm. um, that, that not only are we facing COVID, but we're facing disunity. We're, yes. we're focusing a lack of vision mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're seeing a lot of conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we're really, um, you know, I think that, that that's, a, that's, that's hard too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I I think that that, especially for those of us who we are sensitive to information, sensitive to conflict, sensitive to, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or I don't want to, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of internal battles going on. I think my like, for example, for me, my core beliefs, you know, and my deep fears are what allow me to respond in the way that I respond or what allow me to, you know, speak to people and respond to comments. And I, and that's scary because everybody has a different perspective. And I don't know, lately, I've just been trying to set myself away from all of it and go, okay, they're speaking out of their fear, you know, they're speaking out of their fear. There's, and, and that kind of helps me to regulate um, because I think that bringing that up, the disunity that's coming from this has been really sad, you know, and maybe that's part of the grieving process with this is, is I thought that maybe when I first heard of this, it would bring us together. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's causing a deeper division kind of is heartbreaking. So um, I think that 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 is, yeah, that's another side effect that people are going to have to deal with and learn to work through. (laughs) Well, I think that because even though we're there now as a country, I don't necessarily think that's where we're going to end up as a country, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, um, so, um, there's this model about, um, stages of disaster. Okay. And the Mm -hmm. first stage, um, 
So the first disaster, you know, whenever a disaster happens, you know, first there's the, there's the impact and then there's mm -hmm. the heroic measures that people are, are doing to try to, you know, mm -hmm. fix whatever's going on. And then, and then there's that honeymoon period mm -hmm. that lasts for a couple of weeks. And, and I, I certainly saw that with my patients that, you know, the first couple of weeks after the, the shelter in place, people were feeling great. They're like, oh, this is wonderful, staycation. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I, as I continue to work, you know, two, three weeks later, disillusionment. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now is this disillusionment. That's uh, you so know, good. Nobody knows exactly what's the answer. This is a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of division. Um, but I don't think that's, you know, if we look at the history of our country, I'm, I'm hopeful um, that we can also come back together in the reconstruction mode. You know, and we look at mm -hmm. stages of disaster that is the that that follows disillusionment of this reconstruction. Mm -hmm. It's a choice, I guess I should say, we have mm -hmm. for this country. You know, how do mm -hmm. we come back together, um, and how how do we not see this as um, you know Republican versus Democrat, but rather mm -hmm. humanness? You know, right. we're all <laughs> facing this together. You know, same storm, yeah. different boats. As I've seen, yeah, right I've now been there. seeing that too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how how do we face this um, together? And mm -hmm. I, that's a choice that each one of us gets to make. I personally, you know, am overwhelmed often with this, with the injustice that we see going on. And I've mm -hmm. asked myself, well, how do I, how do I deal with this and still take care of my four month old and two year old, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. and um, what's come for me is every morning for about five minutes, I just sit in silence and I listen to my own, I just breathe and I meditate and I listen to yeah. my own spirit of what mm -hmm. do I need to do today? Yep. You know, I've read, when there's disaster, take small steps, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm a person, I like to take big steps, you know? Yep. I like to think about, and you, <laughs> with you. I like to think about, you know, what's going on, mm -hmm. my plan for five years, my plan for a year. Mm -hmm. But I think right now, I'm just thinking about today. Because if I think about the potential to need to shelter in place for a long period of time, it is too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so how do I focus on today? Yeah. And what do I, what can I do for somebody else today? What can I do for my family, for my friends, for maybe those outside my, my circle? What, what can I do today? And then at night, I sit down for another five to 10 minutes and just kind of listen and settle into my own spirit. Focus on my breath and pray and meditate and ask myself, how can I make tomorrow even a little better? And mm -hmm. what were the gains that we had today? I love that. And I think, you know, the, the key for, for, for me, and I think what the studies and research show is mindfulness is being present today, you know, on purpose, non-judgmentally. That's from John Kabat-Zinn, mm. you know, and um, anxiety is when we're focusing on the future and depressive thoughts are when we're lamenting because of the past. Mm -hmm. But in this current moment, we can find peace. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I, I love the idea of also just that non non-judgmental way of looking at ourselves and our own lives, you know, because I, I think that that's having that self-compassion mm. and just reflecting and taking a step back. Like I'm constantly just trying to step outside a little bit um, because otherwise I, yeah, I will go off on the rabbit trails. And I, will. Yeah, and I see that too, that people are saying, you know, I don't have it that bad. Why? why am I feeling so anxious mm. or depressed? Mm -hmm. You know, there's people who have it a whole lot worse than me. Yep. And I think that that can be another rabbit hole that we don't have compassion for our own situation because we're focused 
that other people have it worse. And I mm. think that in that position, you know, we can do both. We can have compassion for ourselves and we can find ways to give to others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Um, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, this isn't going to last forever, you know, and moving forward and maybe, um, what was it? The disaster stages of disaster and maybe mm -hmm. going into that re was it reconstruction reconstruction. Yeah. yeah. Like with that, um, what is the concern that some people may have a bit of PTSD is what we're going through. Is it considered a type of trauma and, and not just for, I mean, you know, I, yeah, um, let's talk about trauma. That's a great question. <laughs> let's talk about trauma, right? So I think there's two different things. There's PTSD and then there's trauma. And not everybody who experiences trauma will develop PTSD. Mm, that's good. Um, but, and, and even though somebody may have a reaction to trauma that's really necessarily awful, um, it's impactful, doesn't necessarily mean they have the diagnosis of PTSD. So we have this manual called the DSM and it, mm -hmm. it you know, lists in order to have this diagnosis, do you have to have you know, one of this category and a couple of this category? And so there's a specific way to diagnose PTSD. But, but specifically with PTSD, it's exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury or sexual violence and in, 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 in witnessing it either directly or learning about it. Um, so, so that's kind of, the, the main, in order to have the diagnosis of PTSD, that has to be present. Mm -hmm. um, so not every trauma one can develop PTSD from, just kind mm -hmm. of technically speaking. Yeah, yeah. However, even though, and then also I should say with PTSD, it's about re-experiencing through nightmares, through flashbacks, and then mm -hmm. avoidance and changes in belief systems, mm -hmm. cognitions, like you talked about, um, and changes in mood. So that's, that's, I think that most of us, um, or many people who are going through this probably won't develop PTSD, um, but we, but many of us will have to deal with the way our lives have changed and the trauma that's come with this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think somebody who has PTSD is, is, is stru necessarily struggling more or less than somebody without it. I think that one could struggle even more without that diagnosis. Um, it, it just means that they weren't experiencing it in a certain way that we've mm -hmm. been diagnosed. Um, so I think that, you know, we talk about trauma, we talk about big T trauma where, you know, it's a, a big traumatic thing. And then we talk about small T trauma where those kind of the smaller repeated traumatic mm -hmm. pieces of that can happen through our lives and not, you know, of not being validated or, 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 um, lots of, you know, smaller, smaller trauma, but still important. And I think, um, you know, there are a lot of protective things that we can do to help prevent PTSD and prevent this trauma from affecting our lives. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we, like I said, we know everybody who experiences trauma does not develop PTSD. Right. It's actually a small percentage, um, but it can change the way we live our lives. Um, and so it's our, you know, as, as Viktor Frankl said, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, he says, man is not destroyed by suffering. He is destroyed by suffering without meaning. Oh, wow. So I think what we're invited to do is how do we make meaning of what's going on right now? Because COVID-19 really is bringing all the fractured pieces of our system to the forefront. And we have the, cho we have the decision, we have the choice to, to change these things or to let it be. And then mm -hmm. perhaps another 
wave of something is going to come that mm-hmm. shows us um, how our system is struggling. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. And it's interesting, you know, making meaning of it. One of the things that's part of my self-care is I see a counselor once a month, just to check mm-hmm. in, just to make sure that everything, you know, is, is going okay, that I'm thinking clearly, you know, all of that. And one of the things we recently talked about is how, for me, actually, this time of shutdown has been better for me to dig into some creativity, you know, some writing that I haven't been able to do. And other times when I'm super busy, it's helped me to dig into um, more time outside with my family, more time spent exploring with my little, my, my young boys. And, you know, and that's been, that's been a benefit of this. And I think going forward, I will be able to see that I can't always, I can't sustain a go, go, go pace. Like mm. I always have, because that's just what you do here. You right. know, that's especially, you know, I live in a big city and we all just go, go, go. Um, and so it's been good to reflect on that, but also, you know, reflecting on how I, I um, assimilate this information, how I take it in and make meaning out of what it is doing for my development as a human, for my family's well-being, you know, all of that. I think it's important to reflect on that. And it's, it's really hard for us to be self-aware when we're experiencing unpleasant emotions, you know, um, that's, how do you recommend people dig into some of these things and become self-aware? So I think one of the main ways we do this is in community, right? Mm -hmm. Because whenever we're left to our own thoughts, often it can just be punitive, right? Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do this. I should be more like this. I think the way we heal is in relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, like you mentioned, James Gordon, uh, through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, the founder of of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, um, you know, he has created with his team um, a program to learn um, mind-body skills like guided imagery, like mindfulness, like biofeedback, to help us process um, the the raw emotions that, that, you know, happen during trauma, happen during Mm -hmm. change. And um, he actually, the, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, I'll give you a link so you can put it in the show notes. Yes, please um, he, they're, they're offering free groups right now in support of, um, in support of the COVID-19. Um, and they're eight-week groups, um, it's two hours per group, and people are invited to learn a new skill like the mindfulness, like guided imagery. Um, and then to share about what it's bringing up for them in their own life and nice. to process that. So not only are you learning the skill, but you're also processing what the skill is bringing up in real mm-hmm. time, the raw emotions um, with other people who are going through it together. So I think one of the main things about healing is healing in relationship. Mm. And so I've been recommending to my patients, hey, go online to cmbm.org, look at their online groups and sign up for one of them um, because you're not alone. Yeah. 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 That's really good because I, I, there are a lot of people that feel more alone than ever right now. And so it's good to know there are so many resources for healing together in community. And I, and I love that. I'm definitely going to have to get that link for myself. I think that sounds exciting. Um, Yeah. I, you know, one of the things we talked about a little bit before we started is, you know, I'm really passionate about food is mood. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. what I love to say. Um, food is medicine. How, what are ways we can nourish ourselves that's nutritionally right now? We're all snacking, right? Everybody's right? snacking. And I noticed yep. this myself, snack, snack, snack. You know, I do a little bit of work that I'd go to the pantry. Mm-hmm. 
um, because food helps nourish us, right? Mm -hmm. There, and when we're when we're just physiologically, when we're stressed, we're we're craving more of those sugary foods, we're high fat foods. That's just evolutionarily mm -hmm. how our bodies process or yep. programmed is to seek those things out in times of stress. Mm -hmm. And that's great if there's a cyber toothed tiger running after you. <laughs> you know, if you're having to survive, um, uh -huh. you know, with very little food, that's that's a great technique. Um, but it's not good for chronic stress right, that mm -hmm. we're experiencing right now. So um, I think one of the things that I personally am doing is um, I create a little salad bowl every day of nine fruits and vegetables. Nice. Um, and I just put that by my my computer and I make one for my husband as well. And I say, here's your salad bowl, here's mine. <laughs> and I put fruit on the top. So I have that in the morning and the vegetables, you know, after that. And and I find that that helps the, the craving, the snacking urge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a constant reminder to me because we often eat what we see. You know, if who's going to, you know, I, I often tell parents, if you want your adolescent to eat fruits and vegetables, you chop them up and you put them on the dinner table. Mm -hmm. You know, you put them on the table where everybody can see all yep. day long and you walk by and you're going to take one of those, right? Mm -hmm. But most people aren't going to, or most kids and adolescents aren't going to take the time to chop up a bell pepper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think that's the number one thing. We know fruits and vegetables are helpful. And the studies actually show that in order to get that benefit from fruits and vegetables, you need a high dose. So, mm -hmm. you know, the caveat is anything is better than nothing. Right. Um, but if you're really looking for that mood benefit, that uh, you're needing to get about mm -hmm. seven to nine fruits and vegetables. And the yep. studies show that you can have that mood boost even the, fo the following day, and it, or the same day and also the following day. Um, and I think it makes sense, you know, when we exercise, we feel better right away, you know, and that's also somewhat true with eating a, a high load of fruits and vegetables. If it's one of our techniques, I'm not saying that should be our only technique of, you know, self-regulation, but food is, is, can be nourishing and we have to eat three times a day. And so we should choose those foods, um, and make them accessible that we know are going to nourish our bodies. Um, the type of diet or the type of nutritional plan rather that I um, mm -hmm. often will recommend to my patients is the anti-inflammatory diet. Mm -hmm. It's a combination, a little bit of the Mediterranean diet and some of the aspects of um, uh, uh, some uh, the kind of mushrooms that are often seen in Asian diets mm -hmm. um, and yeah. some of the other pieces like with tofu and um, some of the other legumes. Um, and that was, um, if, you, if you're kind of curious, just Google anti-inflammatory diet. Um, and Andrew Weil, he talks a lot about the anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. diet. And there's been studies, you know, yeah. looking at the Mediterranean diet and mm -hmm. showing decreased inflammation. Um, you know, a lot of my patients are taking all sorts of supplements right now mm -hmm. to try to try to help boost their immune system. And unfortunately, yeah. we just don't have the data. Like, is this no. going to be helpful? Is it not? It's going to make mm -hmm. things worse. Mm. You know, we don't know, you know, some people say elderberry, yeah. you know, it's going to be helpful. Some people say it can contribute to the cytokine storm. Right. You know, what, the mm -hmm. data is we just, we've never experienced this before. So we don't know. Yeah. So when we don't know, what I tell people is that, you know, let's eat nine to seven to nine fruits and vegetables a day, because that's yeah. going to boost your immune system in a healthy way. We, yep. You know, let's sleep eight or nine hours a night, you know, and let's meditate and let's exercise. Those are the things that we know are going to help the immune system. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. I love that you brought that up. And I, even for myself, yeah, I spent the first part of <laughs> this thing like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, we're eating pizza. Pizza is like my gateway dr drug of food because if I have pizza, it's all over. <laughs> all I want after that is, you know, like you said, that it's the primitive urge coming out, right? Like the survival. I want the fat and the sugar. Um, but yeah. And, and lately I've just gone back to the basics of, eating as many whole food sources as I can. And it is amazing how much more clear my brain is and mm. how much more energy I have. I don't have that afternoon crash. You know, I mean, there are some crashes, you know, to be honest, like there's, we're going through a very strange time, but um, yeah, it, I have experienced it myself over and over. Um, and I, I do, I have looked at those, um, the studies on the Mediterranean diet as well with improving mood symptoms. And I, and I find that fascinating. You know, I think we can't go wrong by upping our vegetables. I always say addition over restriction, like let's mm. focus on what we can add in and not right. because, you know, we get into that negative mindset where, when we're like, Oh, well, I can't have pizza, you know, <laughs> like mm. then it becomes like, I'm a rebel. And so I'm going to want to eat all the pizza if you tell me I can't have it. So exactly I really right. like to focus on what I what I can have and what's going to nourish me. Um, so yeah, so those are great suggestions. Um, you mentioned, you know, supplements and, and things like that. I, I think that that is another area that, like you said, is just, there's so much we don't know. And with that, I had, when I posted that I was going to be interviewing mm -hmm. you, I had a listener question. Um, they wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on the gut brain connection? And if you can clear up, I know that there's a lot of back and forth on that too. And if there's anything that you can clear up with that. Yeah, I think that the gut brain connection is real. I mean, there's lots and lots of mm -hmm. studies. I don't think that's controversial anymore. <laughs> um, we've always known that the, the mind affects the gut. You know, yeah. we've always known if you're really stressed, often you'll get a stomach ache, you know, or you're like, mm -hmm. we know that there's that connection. And I'd say over the past decade, it's been quite clear that the gut affects the brain. You know, there is no doubt about it because the, um, you know, the, 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 all the or microorganisms that live in our gut, what do they do? They manufacture neurochemicals like serotonin, mm -hmm. like dopamine, mm -hmm. you know, where are these things created? They're created in our gut. Yeah. You know, for example, you know, I do prescribe medications and often if we mm -hmm. prescribe an SSRI, what's the most common side effect? It's diarrhea or GI, Interesting. you know, um, you know, a mm -hmm. little bit of stomach discomfort. Why mm -hmm. is that the case? Because things are changing in the gut because that's mm -hmm. where the serotonin is being um, manufactured. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that there's no doubt at this point that the gut affects our, our, our feelings and our mm -hmm. emotions. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And so, so the question right now is like, yeah. what do you do about it? You know, do I right. take a probiotic? Do I do? Uh -huh. And I think that's where the big question is. You know, yeah. we don't know what strain mm -hmm. of, you know, how many, and it probably mm -hmm. varies from person to person. Um, so I think that's, you know, the question that we have, but we know that fermented foods, mm -hmm. you know, are going to yep. be helpful for our mood and as well as anxiety. There's been some studies showing that you know, healthy people who were having yogurt were less likely to have negative responses, mm. or fearful responses to, to fearful faces. Um, and we know that people who um, were eating more fermented foods was associated with having less social anxiety. Now, whether, you know, it's ca causal or just because there's an association doesn't mean there's a cause. But right. I think that there's, you know, several studies out there showing that, you know, fermented foods is a, probably a good idea if we can mm -hmm. imp um, implement them in our diet. Um, and lots of fruits and vegetables because the fruits and vegetables provide the fiber 
for our my, the microorganisms in our gut. So they're yeah. kind of like the prebiotics. So not only do we need probiotics, we need prebiotics, and that's what the, the bacteria eat. Um, and I think what we're, we're looking at is, you know, what is a sign of a healthy microbiome? And that's variety, mm -hmm. lots of different microorganisms. And when we're looking at lots of different microorganisms, what's required for that is a variety of foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yep. just having carrots or just having oranges is probably not the best idea. You need to, you know, eat from the rainbow they talk about. Yes. So eating fruits and vegetables of different colors and with our kids, this can be a little game. You know, we got to mm -hmm. eat something today that's <laughs> orange and, mm -hmm. you know, green and red. And I know my two-year-old loves showing me the colors of everything. Yep. So we can really take mm -hmm. advantage of that. Because if we're just eating beige foods, right? Like if it's just chicken nuggets and fries, that's the beige mm -hmm. diet and that's not going to be very healthy. <laughs> We call yeah. it the sad diet, the standard yes. diet. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I've ingrained in my six-year-old's head that blueberries help your brain. Like we always talk about, and you know, we kind of go into the colors, like this color is gonna do this, this color is gonna and it and it's fun. It, it does make it a game for kids. And then they feel like they're they're learning something new. And so yeah, I I love that. Um, but I think adults, <laughs> we can do all all we can for our kids, but we also have to practice what we preach. You know? Oh my goodness, and, yeah. Uh, and I and we have to play with food, mm -hmm. you know. I think this is my new learning of how do you get kids yeah. to eat a variety of fruits and vegetables and how do we do it ourselves is we have to become mm. more playful. Mm. Yeah. You know, right now when there's a lot of fear, it's hard to play, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can go into that survival mode. Oh, but yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, the more we can play, the more we can connect, the more we can thrive. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think, and I think that's why people are finding new recipes right now. You know, everyone's baking some bread. They're trying something yeah. new. They're playing with their food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this is a great time to practice trying new things with our food for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm over there trying new recipes and trying to put together random concoctions to see what happens, um, you know, with things that are available. So I don't, I don't go to the grocery store that much. So we're just going through with what we have <laughs> and it's, and it's been kind of fun. So um yeah. What are, you know, we talk about physical nourishment in the, in the form of food. What are some other, you know, phys, uh, sorry, mental and, and spiritual nourishment that we can be doing right now to um, provide for ourselves that kind of that holistic healing? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think we can, I think it really comes down to the play, whether that's playing in nature playing with our thoughts, not taking them so seriously, you Love know, being that. able to look at our thoughts from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I know for, for me personally, um, prayer mm -hmm. um, is, a, is a huge piece. And, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. That's my faith background. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, with, with anything, I kind of come and go at things sometimes. And during times of crisis is really a time to recenter and to go back to those things that are a source of, of power. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's been my faith. And so mm -hmm. um, sometimes whenever life is just going on, it's normal space, you know, it's normal rate. I can kind of forget that. Um, and, and so this has really been an invitation to, to reconnect. I think another thing that we can do is to remember those times in life where we have gone through something difficult and we have made it through, you know, mm -hmm. to remind ourselves of that. So for me personally, um, I, um, 
I, for my second pregnancy, I had experienced my first and I wanted my second to be a little bit different for the labor and delivery piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I had done this program called Hypno Babies, um, yeah, which yeah. taught myself self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I practiced every day to how to get my body to relax. Um, and so then during um, contractions that I would learn to, you know, relax my body. And I was a bit skeptical because I had given birth and I knew how painful it was. I was a bit skeptical it was going to work. Um, but I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it. And I, I used those techniques and um, I was able to give birth to my second child without the use of, um, without the use of medications. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not pro or anti right, anything. Yeah. I had just had an epidural with my first and it didn't work. So oh, I gosh. wanted something <laughs> that I could fall back on. So my oh, hypnosis man. program was my kind of fallback. And I, I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on getting to seven centimeters. And before you know it, I was at 10 centimeters ready wow. to push um, with the, with the, with what the skills I learned through hypno babies. Um, so for me, that, that was one of the most empowering um, moments of my life was giving birth to this amazing, beautiful child mm-hmm. um, and going through all that pain, but learning how to relax through it, how to breathe through it how to notice the contraction. And that contraction was, um, you know, I, they talk about using the guided imagery of that contraction is you're one step closer to your baby. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And that contraction is allowing you to push that baby out. So rather than seeing that contraction as pain, you know, again, redefining it as yep. this is allowing me to be closer to that thing that I love so much. Um, and I think that during times of crisis like this, it can be like, okay, there's a contraction right now. Uh-huh. This is letting me come closer to becoming the person that I want to be, you know, to overcome, um, to, to reconnect, to help, to be of service to others, to be of service to my families in ways that I, that I hadn't thought about in the past. So yeah. um, I think like, I, you know, when I'm thinking about holistically, how do we help people during this time is remember that those other times you've been through that have been hard, that have been tough, and yet you've made it through. Mm-hmm. And this can be another one of those times. And let's think about today, right now, when there is a large struggle, take small steps. Yes, that is so good. Oh my goodness. I could ask you a thousand more questions, but I definitely, you know, before we go off on running out of time. I'd love to know where can people, um, you know, are you taking new patients now? Where can people learn more about you and what you're doing? What's your website? All of that. Cause I didn't get to give that in the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, certainly. I yeah, realized so, oh, I left that out. Oh, I work at progressive psychiatry in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and so, um, un- unfortunately I can only see people in Texas because uh, mm-hmm. we are, um, in, regarding state licensure. Um, but, um, that's where I am currently in, in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, but I would invite your listeners to check out some of the great resources. Like we talked about CMBM. Um, there's another great resource. I was trained through the Andrew Wells Center for Integrative Medicine, and they actually put out a little, uh, not a little, a great article, um, on different nutraceuticals, um, mm. and what, you know, what things might be safer versus other yes. things. And so I'll send you that for your show that's notes great. as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that, uh, and they talk about, you know, the importance of 
sleep and meditation. And there's some good resources um, that I'd be happy to send you about, you know, various apps out there. I'm sure everybody's probably gotten them in your emails as far as free mm -hmm. yoga and free mindfulness oh, yeah. <laughs> and free that and free this. And at first I was really excited about it, but then after a while I was like, Oh my gosh, I just need to go outside and keep it simple. <laughs> right. But anyways, yeah, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm seeing new patients. That's awesome. And then, you know, one last final question and anchor question. This podcast is called Sparking Wholeness. So if you could give, you know, you've given so many amazing tips, but if you could just give one piece of advice to spark someone towards wholeness, what would it be? Mm. I know I got to, got to throw you off there with the last question. <laughs> Play. Love it. I think that's good. I think that's such a good reminder for us. We're, we are taking ourselves way seriously right now. Um, so thank you for that. That's for me. It's like, yeah, totally. That's what I'm doing today. So. Yeah. The best thing I can do is getting, you know, with my daughter in the sandbox, you know, that's yep. right now. And I think, you know, as adults, we often forget to learn to play and trauma can um, unwind the nervous system in a way that it feels fearful to play. Ooh. And um, it doesn't feel safe or it feels superfluous or we lose that spark, that joy inside mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need to play. You know, you need spontaneity. Um, you need um, imagination. And that's what trauma takes from us. Mm -hmm. And so when we feel safe, I say we should play. And when we play, we might feel a bit safer. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on. And, you know, I might have to pick your brain on future episodes <laughs> because oh, this is, you're a wealth of knowledge. So I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.